This is a Culture Inject production. Welcome back to Part of Us. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at InvoCraze and on Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. Comments or questions, let's hear it. Email them to us at partofusevf at gmail.com. All right, so let's go back a few years, 2019 to be exact. Uh, You wake up to the news that Maxine Jones and Don Robinson have rejoined in Vogue, forming a super in Vogue, EV5, with Cindy, Rona, and Terry. Do you you remember this day? Uh, What was your initial reaction? And what are your feelings on Dawn's stance that the reunion should only consist of the original members? Take it, champ. (sighs) So do you remember the day, champ? Do you remember when it went viral on Instagram and Facebook and the like? I do. Because I was at a game night with my friends. And so my friends, they know I'm a huge Invoke fan, but they're not fans, so they don't understand my stanship of it all. But I was at a game night, and I was eating my little hors d'oeuvres, and I had a little cocktail in my hand, and I was scrolling through through Twitter, and I saw this picture, and I was like, I was like, is that real? I was like, that can't be real. And I clicked on it, and then it said, Invoke Reunite, and I was like, oh, my God. And my friends was like, what is wrong with you? I said, bitch, invoke. <laughs> and I, I thought it was so, so cool because then, of course, they had that, that they went viral and they had that rollout with like Rona posted boomerangs of them together, then the rehearsal, them getting ready, then, of course, the clips at the actual event. They look great. The outfits were so cute, like the kind of black leather with the gold embroidery and the different iterations of it. I thought Dawn's outfit was magnificent. Uh, Dawn's was probably my favorite. Uh, But yeah, I I was here for it. I'm always here for EV5. I don't agree with Dawn's stance on their being original members because I feel like they tried it twice. You know, so I feel like for whatever reason, it just can't work out. You know, but I would, and, and when it doesn't work out, Rona always comes to the rescue and she gets back in, li- in line and f- she gets back in formation, you know, when she goes on tour with the girls. So I feel like if a reunion does happen in the near future or whatever for like a 30 year anniversary or for like whatever happen, I don't know what it is. I feel like Rona should be there, you know, regardless of how Don feels. We all gonna get this check. We all going to get this boost in our uh, brands and call it a day. Well, I mean, what I will say, uh, <laughs> I do remember how it happened. The video I saw was, the first thing I saw was Maxine and Dawn in an Uber together. And I was just like, they were just like, yes. they were like, this is random. I called an Uber share. It was like a shared ride. And oh, look who is here. I was like, oh, that's nice. That's unique. That's weird. Because um, I knew Dawn and, and Maxine had their little thing or whatever. So I thought, look at God working to bring the ladies together one way or another. What I didn't know was they were going to a rehearsal for this, you know, uh, performance. 
Uh, so then as, you know, I think maybe the next day or maybe it was a few hours. I don't know. Yeah, it's probably like the next day. Um, you know, the pictures come out of the ladies in their, you know, gorgeous outfits. And uh, I remember being just very excited. Um, I thought, you know, everyone looked great. Um, it was nice to see all all of them together. Okay, so as you can see, reality catches up to you fast. This particular discussion um, for the week is on reality shows. Those that invoke shopped around, ones they were rumored to be cast in, and those in which um, the invoke members have made an appearance. But first, do you think invoke should have done a reality show any of the times when the original four reunited? Yes, 100%. Why that didn't happen is beyond me. I feel like they should have made that work because to to not document their 20-year anniversary and it's their reunion? Crazy. I would have loved to see the preparation for the BET Awards. I would have loved to see preparation for their tour. You know, that little the Combat Army Green get up when Invoke had her. I mean, when Maxine had her blonde dress. Like, I, would, I just would have loved to see all that you know, documented and just the process of it, you know, tough conversations about points of contention between the ladies. Like, it sucks that it was not a docu-series. It really sucks. Well, we all know Cindy and Terry didn't want to do it, so. Okay, so there is a follow-up question. Do you think Invoke should do a reality show with the current lineup? Would it help the Invoke brand? In my opinion, I think they... I don't like the reality landscape. I'm thinking, if anything, more so something like an actual... A true documentary. Um, you know, even maybe something like a behind the music, but something that's focusing on the music. I feel like, you know, I like people because of their music. I love musicians. I love singers. I love that the music aspect of the music industry. So I like to see something, if it's being documented, like, okay, this is going to be our concert. Like, we're doing... Um, a very special acoustic concert. These are the preparations that you were going to show you learning the repertoire and rehearsing. Um, but it's focusing on actual musical project, not just them. I'm not into personality so much as I am to the music. So that's, yes, I feel like that would help like a tiny desk concert. And then you showing the process behind putting that together, something along those lines. That's what I would like to see. It wouldn't even been cool to like get like a, a six part mini doc of, the Bring Back the Time Tour, you know, included with, you know, New Kids on the Block, Salt Pepper, Invoke, and Rick Astley. That would have been cute to see that process, the camaraderie between the two, the rehearsals. That would have been cool to see, you know. Um, it just sucks that these um, older acts do not understand the value in reality TV because it does open doors for new branding opportunities, you know, uh, for an act that probably, you know, isn't, you know, doing a lot, you know, because if, if your only income is touring as a music artist in this day and age, you know, that that can run stale. In, in, the, in the words of the great prophet Kiki Palmer, the storyline for me has run stale. <laughs> um, so, so I, and, and then I, I will say that, um, as much as I love in Vogue, like there is no, there's no spark in their performances because it's like they are nothing new to add because all their hits are old. Like I don't know how many times I can go to 
an In Vogue show and see them perform the same song the same way with the same choreography. You know, granted, they have new costumes, but it's like, you know, that gets old after a while. So for me, I would love to see them in a new way to kind of kind of allow them to be introduced to this new audience of people, which will bring bring about new brand opportunities with beauty and fashion and social media, possibly, you know, new songs and in, in a in a in a current hit type of situation. Uh, but that's all I'll say. You know? I agree with you. Thank you for having agreed with me. I appreciate it. Because uh. <laughs> uh, I feel like the last time we, we touched on this, you were just so against the idea. I mean, no, Matan doesn't, he doesn't like, I get he doesn't like reality TV because it, it doesn't, reality TV is not always good for artists. It's not always good. Like for a lot of artists, it puts them in a horrible light. And then a lot of a lot of people, a lot of artists who were already established and do reality TV, they end up being bamboozled into that reality landscape, and now they become a reality star instead of instead of a music artist whose resume includes reality TV. Right, like if, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, if that makes sense. Exactly, like a Candy Burris who now she's like a housewife, and every time you you're speaking with her, it's going to be related to Phaedra yeah. and the sex abuse allegations yeah. and the dildos that vibrate and the nasty. What is it? The the nasty food at the restaurants, the old lady in here, whatever. What I'm saying is like I wouldn't mind something where it's along the lines of the music, like you know, I mean, and we, you know, um, JP, like when we were coming up, like VH1 used to have all those documentaries there was storytellers there was you know you saw people like making album or docuseries about the process of making an album or doing like a very special type of concert there's behind the music unplugged storytellers so forth and so on and so that's what I'm saying I would like to see something along the lines of like reality television where you're supposed to be trying to get to know someone and it's all this drama like that's what I could do without that but that would infuse something if they got like with the Netflix and we're like we're going to do this um, unplugged concert we're going to do some covers we might introduce some new stuff we're going to do the old stuff but it's going to be flipped on its head that's what I'm saying but if it's presented as something that's documenting them as musicians not personalities not people trying to be celebrities is what I is you know that's the 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 nuance that's the difference to me the reality show game can help you earn money outside of just singing because once you yeah. become 40 plus, no one's checking for you in the terms of like radio play and in terms of mainstream media. So, well, that's the, not the necessarily to- true. And that's my point. That's why I'm saying I would like something to be focused on. The music is great if you know you want to log people for making Beyonce, money. Who other than Beyonce is selling records and, and getting radio play at 40 years old? Oh, I just saw Red Ooh. Hot Chili Peppers. At SoFi Stadium, they're all over 40. They might even be pushing 60. Okay, they're they're white, they're white men singing rock music. That is that they had that is like apples and oranges to R and B. We all know that R and B artists, when they get a certain age, like you get put in the Chitlin circuit or you get put on the, you know, the the whatever your era was circuit, whether it's the seventies, eighties, nineties, you get put on that circuit. And but that's then I feel like live. a lot of that is because the focus isn't on the music and people just start trying to mold 
themselves into this act. They don't want to grow. They don't want to evolve. And that's my point. Like make make a docu-series that's not about you being this business person or something else. Because why would I care about that? Like, is it great that people have other accomplishments? I, you know, have, would like to have my own. And, you know, so that's wonderful that you have yours. That's great. Um, as a celebrity, good, good, good for you. But I'm not interested in you as a celebrity. I'm interested in you as in a musician. And I would like Weren't to- Weren't we just talking about multiple streams of income? Well, yeah, and I and when we had the conversation, I specifically said that it would help to have that um, also in the music industry. And I talked about songwriting and the publishing deal and all this stuff because that's when I consume you. I'm not trying to consume you as an individual or oh, oh, this person has all this money or oh, this person doesn't have all this money. It's the music. So whether you're an independent artist making music, I like that sells a thousand copies, and you know you have work a day job. That doesn't matter to me. Like I'm not you. You're not sharing your income, your royalties with me. So if you have a Broadway play where selling out tens of thousands of millions like I don't really care I'm saying make your art that's what I consume as um you know as me that's how I'm going to relate to you I will say I will say this um the the landscape of the industry is is rapidly changing to video even if you look at like how Instagram is changing their platform and all these new other platforms how TikTok is becoming a thing and reels are becoming a thing a video is is becoming a huge thing, and reality TV is a huge part of that because consumers nowadays want to get to know you um, on a deeper level. Now, artists like Beyonce can't get away with it because she's a huge star, and so she can benefit off of the mystique of it all, the way Prince did, the way Michael Jackson did. You know what I mean? You didn't really know about the inner workings of their of their lives. They 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 control their narrative. And they let you see what they wanted you to see. In this day and age, if you're a newer artist, you have to give consumers a bit more access to you um, than just your your uh, product. And 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 it doesn't necessarily have to be reality TV, but it has to be having adult social media team. You know what I mean? Have, be, being active on TikTok, being active on. Uh, Instagram, you know, putting out, you know, really, really cool uh, visuals that people can like and share and comment on, you know what I mean? So I feel like that, that is a, that is a thing, but with, with, with an artist like in Vogue in, in there, being a woman of a certain age, you know, it's like, or being an artist of a certain age, you have to constantly be a student of the industry and you have to, uh, realize that it's always changing and even more so now. And so I feel like you don't necessarily have to. I understand Invo not wanting to do reality TV because a lot of reality TV now it's based off of the drama. You look at stuff like Housewives or Love and Hip Hop, even on Zeus Network with Bad Boys Club and Baddies like Jocelyn's Cabaret. The calling card is the drama, the fights, the the shouting matches, the contention. That is what the calling card is. But I feel like with Invo, they need a different type of platform to tell a different type of story. Um, and so I think that a lot of people like Matana are afraid that it's like, don't, don't uh, make your, don't lower the total pull of your brand for reality TV and you get on TV acting a fool. I don't think Cindy and Terry and Runner would let that happen, but I do think that not doing reality TV is a missed opportunity. That being said, the episode today is called Reality Bites. And so we're going to, we're going to go through, you know, the list of, of, of reality TV opportunities that the ladies have had individually and collectively. 
and we're going to we're going to break it down and talk about it. we're, we're going to unpack that <laughs> so first up um, is the comeback and come up of Dawn and Dre from 2007 this is the behind the scenes situation that nobody knows about they think that they see us polished up and they see us on the, on the red carpet they see us in the videos and they, they assume as I did before I got in the group that I was going to be the, the rich they got mansions and uh, it's not quite how things work out This this show was uh, about Dawn Robinson and her then husband Dre. Uh, it was independent. It was an independently produced series that was shopped around to outlets such as VH1, BT, TV One, but evidently was never picked up. Now, did y'all watch the pilot episode? That is on that Dre put up on YouTube. I did see it. Who is Dre Allen? Why would right? We, Who is this man? Why would we care? Why would I care about you? Like if it were like Don Robinson and Raphael Sadiq was like married or something, and you know trying to come make a comeback, I would like I would be here for it. I don't know who Dre Allen. I didn't know who he was then. I don't know who he is today. Um, but Tam, do you know who Dre Allen is? Do you know I him? know he was. In a group, I've never heard the song. I've never heard of the group, but it's called For Example. I don't remember that group. Yeah, for example, no one cares. So when I saw this, I think there were like rats in the house. It was just giving poverty. It was giving. Okay. It was giving a little rat that. trap on the camera. I was like, why are you doing that? the things that I don't want to see. And yeah. um, yeah, it was it was it was destined to fail before it began. So I'm not surprised that BET and VH1 and TV1 declined. Because you don't want to see like you don't want to see Dawn Robinson, who's like glamorous. That you know her as this glamorous member of In Vogue, beautiful. Like you don't really want to see her in poverty unless she's in poverty with someone else that you know. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's like. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want to see her in poverty with this man that you don't know because obviously if you see this man you don't know, you're like, okay, well, he must be the reason she's in poverty. So, like, you know, if it were like, if all the members of Invoke were living impoverished, then it would be like, okay, then that's something that we can record. But to see her with this man that no one knows or cares about, like, no thank you. Can I just say that I am just not a fan of husband and wife musical acts. They irritate my soul. It's like, why do I have to care about your relationship? Because you do. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, like when Jay-Z and Beyonce did that album, like, oh, girl, I don't care about that. You know, like, you know, uh, when uh, Shamari and uh, Ron, Ronnie did a, uh, try to do an album together, I'm like, I don't, I don't care about that. So why would I care about Dawn and her husband doing having like a, a band again. like get out of my face like I don't care about that you know and then for and then I, I can I I get the angle where it's like okay Dawn is trying to restart her career so now we're going from the ground up you know that that's cute and all for like uh, a 21 year old you know it's very cute uh, but but I just I was like when he bought that little tour bus and couldn't get the door open and then him being in a hospital, I'm like, this is just so dramatic. Like, 
for, for no reason. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it, it all, it all seems staged. Like that mouse trap when they caught a mouse. I'm like that that mouse trap. It looks old as hell because the mouse was flat. So I'm like, so, but Dawn was reacting. She was, re- she was reacting to like, garage. you know what I mean? And she was, re- she was re- reacting to like the mouse actually being alive and running around. So I'm like, okay, so is the mouse alive or is the mouse have been dead? It was just really weird. And I was just like, this is so stupid. And I'm like, Dawn is, is constantly on the camera with this bandana and this spaghetti strap shirt. I'm like, it, uh, it was just, it was too much. Independently produced is the right way to put it because was it no was it no budget was it no brand behind that I'm glad it wasn't picked up just trash um and so then that takes us to Diva Diaries which was the ladies together all of the original members um there was a trailer I'm sure most of us have seen it after the success of the Funky Diva CD, the dynamics of the group started changing. Whenever you go platinum, the first contract you did goes out the window. Bam, it's gone. We began renegotiating our production deal with Denzel Foster and Thomas McElroy. Our manager and, and all the group members felt like, you know, it'll be better if you're signed directly to the label. Once Tommy and Denny were out of the picture and the record company was in control, that's when things started fracturing. <laughs> Head of the record company at that time was Sylvia Roan. She felt like there was going to be problems with Dawn. So Sylvia, in her mind, was a divide and conquer. I want to get Dawn and Terry distracted, keep these other two hoes over here broke. It was shopped around in 2009, maybe 2009, 2010-ish. And speaking with contactmusic.com, Dawn Robinson said... It's just another venue to get our music out there. Uh, music, see, music, 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 music. Okay. The industry has changed. It's not just about getting a record deal anymore. It's about exposure. Alice added, 20 years in the business is a long time and we've had a lot of fun in the process, but there's also been some ups and downs and we'd like to share some of that. What do you think? Did the series have potential? What did you take away from the trailer? Thoughts? Um, I actually was excited to see this uh, series just because like I said earlier it I'm like why wouldn't we document you know the girls reuniting uh, for their anniversary like it, it was just it was a monumental moment that I I think it that should have been recorded how but then I do look at the trailer now and feel like were the ladies really prepared to be that honest? I feel like Dawn was prepared to be that honest, but I still, I, I still feel like some inhibitions on Cindy, Terry, and Maxine's part to be politically correct to kind of like give you enough truth to answer the question, but not enough truth to satisfy your longing for what really happened. So I feel like it would have been like a very cute documentary just for them, you know, to kind of air on TV, get like a distribution deal and whatever have you. But I don't think that it would have been a hundred percent honest depiction of what happened uh, back then. But I was excited for it um, at the time. I don't think I was. I just thought it looked, that was another one that looked cheap. Um, Like you could tell Cindy was in her house 
You could tell John was probably in some restaurant or something because she didn't want people to see how she was really living. Magazine was in a rehearsal studio and maybe Terry was in her house. And it just looked like, you know, just people wanting to rehash or Don in particular just wanting to rehash a bunch of old stuff instead of it being a strategic move. Like I was, um, you know, mentioning earlier in the show where it's like, okay, well, we have this record. Now we're going to use this as a promotional tool. I don't think they had a record out um, at the time. I don't know if they were recording music or what exactly was going on. But so to me, it, they said they were. Okay. Well, they said, okay. Um, but it it just didn't look like it was and I don't know perhaps if there was actually a it got picked up and they were able to take it and promote it maybe there would have been music released but I just it just didn't seem cohesive to me as far as it being a promotional tool for something greater and so I'm happy it didn't happen well at the end of the, of the day like this is a sizzle it's kind of like a sizzle reel it's, it's kind of what you use to shop to network so I mean, the finished product wouldn't look like this. It's just, this is used to generate interest, um, to, to try and shop it to a network to see, is this something because, you know, are you interested in this? Are you really going to put any money behind it? And generally, when you look at shows like, you know, SWV's reality show or Escapes or Mary Mary's, I mean, the show has to start gaining an audience to then get people to want to back you and to put money behind you to start releasing records. Cause anybody can release a record. I can, I can put some BS together right now and put a record on iTunes. It don't mean it's going to sell more than uh, my mama and my cousins, <laughs> you know, buying it. So I mean, you have to have a, a infrastructure in place to promote said record. You know what I'm saying? So just having something done, it, I mean, Usually, from what I've seen from the old groups that try and push stuff like this, they at least let, you know, something build up and they get to whatever they're trying to push, whether it's a tour, which is what Escape did, or whether it's a um, SWV had an album they put out during their show. Mary Mary had a single um, and a greatest hits record they put out during their show. I mean, like you you generally get to that point. Um, So, I mean, from what I saw, I think... I agree with what Champ said. I feel like not everyone is willing to really be honest about it. And I think that's part of the problem with In Vogue is that not everyone wants to be honest and take accountability for some of the things that are not going to make them look good. And I think as a result, they're never going to be on the same page. But at any rate, our producer has it on good authority that one of the major networks that Invoke uh, approached was the OWN Network, the Oprah Winfrey Network. Uh, they were interested in producing the series, but one of Invoke's members uh, balked at the idea of accepting OWN's offer because they were unhappy with how much money the network would pay. Um, and the number was in the tens of thousands uh, for each member. And thus, that ended the negotiations with own so uh, I wonder why, who that was <laughs> so uh, why would you not agree to the payment for the first season and if the series was successful negotiate the terms of the subsequent seasons well, I can look at it as you don't know if it's going to be successful or not and all of the internal friction that it could cause it might not be beneficial so you do a cost benefit analysis this is not worth it for the brand and that's why like you don't know that it's going to be renewed by own so that's and then like them starting off low they might have low bought them for the second um season it just to me like it it it's not it didn't seem like it was worth it in any regard 
I mean, tens of thousands for each member. It's, I mean, I've heard so many different stories about reality TV contracts. I've heard people getting as little as, you know, three or $4,000 an episode, which of course, you know, spread out over, you know, 10 or 12 episodes that may equal up to, you know, 30 or $40,000, um, which if you're telling your life story, you know, a one time, let's say you get $40,000 and you only get one season. I mean, I guess it's better than nothing, but, um, I, I understand negotiating for your worth. And I think considering since we know the history of in Vogue and their deals, um, I can understand wanting to get your worth up front, wanting to understand how invested are you as a network, you know, and who we are and building with us. So I can understand kind of wanting to see them show improve. Um, but however, if no other money was on the table, I say, you know, let's, let's, let's get the best offer we can for them and, <laughs> and proceed. One thing I know, uh, one thing I appreciate about, you know, everybody has a different opinion about, um, you know, contracts and what they should be paid when it comes to the industry. And, you know, some people, some people are like, no, that's a low ball. I don't want to do it. Other people are, other people see the value in like taking a pay cut for the bigger picture. I always use Jonah Hill and Taraji P as an example for stuff like this. Like Taraji P. Henson, she took a huge pay cut when she did Benjamin Button. Um, she talks about how the, the, uh, the production studio, which is trash, um, was not paying for her room and, room and lodging. So she she was paying for her hotel, which makes entirely no sense to me why that would even happen. But she still did the role and she did her own expenses for her, her uh, hotel room. And then that uh, role got her an Oscar nomination, which catapulted her, you know, to be this endless actor, you know. So, granted, she was done dirty, but her mindset was, you know what, I'm I'm going to buck up because I see the potential in the long haul. Even Joni Hill, when he did Wolf of Wall Street, although he was an established actor, he took a huge pay cut and he got the minimum what SAG get a SAG actor gets, which is sixty five thousand dollars. For Martin Scorsese film, that is cheap as hell. That's what that's what first time actors get, and he was not that, but he took it that pay cut because he wanted to work with Martin Scorsese, and he ended up you know getting all the Oscar contention and, move, and going on to do all these really critically acclaimed films. So I feel like there are people you know who are like, no, I don't want to do that, and people who see see the value. So that being said, me painting the picture. <laughs> um, I just feel like saying, oh, it's not enough money, but it's like, one, you're on the Oprah Winfrey Network. And it was a so new you're, network you're, at the time. You, it was a very exactly, new network. You're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're building a relationship with Oprah Winfrey, you know, while it's a new network, you know what I mean? Um, you're, you're getting this check. You only film for two to three months anyway, so it's not a, it's, it's not a huge deal. Um, and then imagine, like, you know, if the series is successful, the subsequent seasons after that, and also now that you have a relationship with the production company and Oprah, you could you could uh, leverage those opportunities for more shows, produce your own content with them, etc., etc. Maybe even be like, you know, Cindy's an actress, be 
be uh, an actress on one of these Oprah Winfrey produced uh, scripted shows. Like, I feel like there is a lot of opportunity there for you, but just to say no because you don't like the money being thrown at you when this is a whole new venture for everybody, I feel like is a bit um, foolish. Uh, and that's all I'll say about that. Um, another series that the group was shopping around was one where the members of Invoke would act as judges or mentors to other sing- to other singers vying for a spot in a girl group, perhaps. Uh, there was a trailer for the series that was also produced by Renee McElroy that was online. Do you remember this trailer? What are your thoughts on the premise of the series? I think I remember when, I don't remember while it was happening because this was, um, I think he mentioned that it was the lineup with Maxine, Rona, Cindy, Terry. So I do remember seeing the trailer that Involved Craze posted fairly recently within the last couple of years. Not, you know, it wasn't contemporaneous. Um, And it, like I said, it, didn't look high quality and I'm just not a reality person. I just feel like, like how does that move you forward as a group? There's been so many reality shows like that where they're trying to build a girl group. There was a girl Licious with Robin Anton and just, I think maybe Diddy did it the best with making the band, but that's yeah. because of, you so know, Kelly Rowan did it good with Chase and Destiny, Jules Diary. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> So, I mean, it's been done. Um, I just can't see that. I don't see how that pushes them for it as an act. Maybe what it could have, like, if anything, it would have been them looking for musicians or producers to work on their record. I would have liked to have seen something like that because um, that would be more beneficial for them. Um, so I just, the premise of the series is kind of like you're trying to groom talent I don't know, like, to me, you have to be at a certain level, like, like a Diddy for it to kind of work. Like, he's, at the time, was, like, this huge rapper, very successful label, so it makes sense that he's mentoring an act. I would have been here for it, because one thing I will say is that we, American audiences, even maybe, like, European audiences, we love um, watching people, you know, follow their dreams, like, American Idol, X Factor, you know, The Voice, like, making a band, chasing that. Like, we we love that kind of stuff, you know. Um, so, and then we also love, like, competition shows in and of itself, like The Four, RuPaul's Drag Race, etc. Um, so, I, I would have loved to see, like, a girl group being formed, you know, them being judges and, like, that kind of thing. Because Chasing Destiny was a hit, you know, but, you know, Kelly Rowland, you know, she dropped the ball. Um, well, but she I would have a record label no more. <laughs> she can't well, have I know, well, no, they, I know they got signed, but then you know, they, then the they switched labels and that kind of thing. So that was it. But I'm saying there was never a season two. You know, uh, when the show was popular, but they never came back for a season two. And then you know, Kelly Rowland she distanced herself from the group in and of itself. Um, but that that being said, I feel like we all love those kind of shows. So I do think that it would it would have found an audience and it could have ran for like, you know, a season or two, maybe three, uh, you know, creating the group season two, season two was making an album. Season three is, you know, the aftermath of the success of the album and touring, you know what I mean? You know, and then Invo could have, could have used that as a platform to showcase their music too, you know, it could have been, you know, the girl group is an opening act and Invo is a headliner, you know. Invo, hire me! 
What's going on? Like, put me on a team. I think anyway. I think it's all about visibility, and that's just what TV does. It, it gives you the vi- visibility. So whether you are, you know, trying to put a tour together or because, like I said, no one is checking for a, a group of women over 40 years old going on, you know, releasing new music. Like, it's just not where the industry is unless you are a Beyonce, unless you are, you know, that superstar Michael Jackson Prince Beyonce level. And I guess we use her name in that in that stratosphere now. Ooh, I don't um, think I don't know about that. Well, I mean, I'm saying it because she is clearly 40. Um, and she has a number one song in the country. So it's kind of like number one song, number one album. I think, you know, whether you, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into Beyonce bandwagon because she's not even my girl like that. But, I mean, I have to acknowledge what she's doing. How unfortunate for you. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy her. Like, the album is cute. But, you know, I have to acknowledge the fact that for a woman and, and her age has been in the game as long as she has, it's just not being done by anyone else. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no one else in right. the game that's been in the game since 96, 97. That's... Well, Never Lopez. But she's Jennifer. Yeah, she's in the game, but she's not relevant on the music charts. She doesn't have the number one song in the country. She doesn't even have a top twenty song in the country. Like she's not. Oh no, I mean that's not Shay. I love J Lo. Like let's be clear, I adore Jennifer Lopez. But I went oh, to no, go. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I didn't know. I went I to didn't... go see her in Vegas and all that. But like she doesn't. She's not relevant in terms of new music. I'm dropping new music today, and the people are going to run out and, and buy it's it. It's going to be a top ten, right? Yeah. And the radio is going to play it. She's not there. There's and there's no one else over forty that's doing that. Unless I, I mean, I'm not. I just meant the saying that she's in the same stratosphere with Michael Jackson. She's clearly not. Um, that was. My well, I mean, point. people put. People put her in that in that connotation. Uh, I don't know. It's debatable. I I don't know. It's I don't know. Let's talk about since we're talking about the reality shows and all of that, we have to talk about R and B divas L A. Yes. So after leaving heirs to the throne, Maxine and Dawn's uh, that was Maxine and Dawn's 2012 venture. Dawn joined the cast of R and B divas L A. Production began February 2013, and the series premiered July 2013. It ran for three seasons. The season one cast consisted of Dawn, Shantae Moore, Kelly Price, Claudette Ortiz, Michelle, and Lil Mo. Lil Mo! So, (laughs) So a few highlights from the show. You had Dawn, who had a a boyfriend at the time, and she she (laughs) couldn't have kids. Um, Don and Little Mo had drama. Um, Love it. Little Mo talked about her driving her Honda Accord and it was overheating. <laughs> um, Don and Kelly. No, it, was a, it was a Jeep. It was a Jeep. Don and Kelly, they were working on their own production of the like vagina monologues uh, that didn't come to fruition. So, what did you guys think of the show? Um, you know what? You know what? What I've reading this reminded me of, or kind of put a light bulb in my head. Don, Don always has, um, okay, I'm referencing the vagina monologues, which was like the main storyline for that season. And how the diva logs. was talking, the diva logs, and you know, and she was talking about this ain't right, we can't do this to Kelly Price, and you can't bring another director. Well, I'm leaving the show because of this. And 
we're going to do our own show, et cetera, et cetera, which is pretty much similar to, you know, the Evo breakup, creating a new group because you didn't like what was happening, you know, which, which, which some of it is valid or whatever. But I'm, I just, I'm like, Don, <laughs> I feel like she always finds a problem with everything, with everything. And then for her not to come to the reunion, which we're going to get into the, the one of the uh, specul- speculative reasons why, I'm just like, dang, you just be fumbling the bags. You know, I mean, and I'm not putting all the blame on Dawn, but, you know, like I said, if it, if it looked like a duck and it quacked like a duck, it's a duck. It's a duck, but I loved um, Lomo on this particular season. I only watched this season of R&B Divas Atlanta. I think I had watched the previous two seasons of R&B Divas Atlanta. Um, but with LA, like, I was excited because, of course, you know, I'm an Invoke fan to like, Don was on there. But then you have, like, Loma, who I always associate with the East Coast. Um, Shantae Moore, I know she's from the Bay Area, um, but not from LA. Um, Kelly Price lives in Carson, which is kind of Los Angeles. And then Claudette Ortiz, you know, you know, I, I could have done without her. Michelle, definitely born and raised. Um, she's an LA girl, maybe Compton, but, you know, that's still technically. And I love Shantae Moore. I, I love Shantae Moore, and I loved how, like, I, that I love you, God. Now, I didn't like the song, but it was like she understands the game because she was like, okay, um, I'm on camera, so I'm... You know, that's my church, by the way. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Okay. That she was singing that. When she was singing, I love God, or I love you, God, or... Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, I'm going to take any opportunity, you know, where I'm on camera to promote something, some of my music, you know, then maybe get licensing when they have to air it. Um, Lil Mo, how her and Lil Mo did the theme song and how Lil Mo was like, any opportunity to get to sing, I'm going to sing. And then on the opposite spectrum, you have Don, who, as Lil Mo will point out, was like the oldest of all of them. No kids. Lil Mo had like, how many kids does she have on the show? Like eight or something. So she's juggling all those. She had four. Okay, four. And didn't she just have one or was that? Four at the time. But now she has, I think she has. She has a lot. I think she has eight total but so she's juggling all of that. And then you have Don, who doesn't have any children, um, is dating. It's like, what do you have going on? Apparently nothing. Um, she just seemed lost and confused. Like, um, um, they're called highlights. But it's like, uh, I remember her going to the doctor and him, I think she had endometriosis. And then she was already over 40. And the doctor telling her, like, you know, it was very unlikely that she would be able to conceive. And her thinking that the doctor was being negative for, like, giving a standard medical opinion. So it's like, that's just, I feel like that kind of talks to her character where if you kind of tell her what's real, she's not going to like that. And you're you're the one being negative. Um, then- I think talking about somebody's reproductive issues is, is, is quite extreme. And, and there have been people, Holly Berry, Janet Jackson, Kenya Moore, who have had Babies far older than where Dawn was at that age. I mean, Janet had a baby at fifty. Did so they have endometriosis? I, I don't know what. I, that's the point. I don't know. We don't know what their what their reproductive issues were. So but I that's just what the doctor said. I'm not. I'm talking about what happened on the show. It's like not no, something but, Janet's but I'm just up. saying to take that as a a character flaw. Because she wanted to be optimistic about her chances to conceive. No, a child. I'm not I think saying that's... that either. You're taking what I'm saying out of context. I'm saying when someone tells you something that they see, it's just like, okay, there's a 99% chance that if you drive 100 uh, miles on the freeway and your brakes don't work, you're going to get into an accident. 
And there is a 1% chance that maybe, you know, you'd be able to swerve and get off on the exit. But I'm just telling you, like, this is not looking good. That doesn't make me negative is what I'm trying to say. So to her to frame that as like somebody giving her, her a professional opinion is negative. I'm saying that is what it is. I'm sure that, you know, if someone told her about a contract or something that didn't look good and she's like, oh, you're being negative. I'm not going to listen. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that she, you could be optimistic, but when somebody's giving you their. I don't think that's a fair comparison at all. Honestly, that that is that is apples and oranges. What's apples like, and oranges? Comparing uh, getting a diagnosis from a doctor about you being able to conceive a child versus a contract, I think that is very different. I, okay. I think bringing life into the world and and what your chances are like as a woman to be able to do that. Um, to me, that can't be compared with a contract and what someone is telling you about a contract. I'm, I'm, I'm like being realistic. Like, I, I don't think that's really a fair statement to me. Well, I don't think you're probably not getting the angle. What I'm saying is that if somebody gives you professional opinion, that person, I don't think the doctor is being negative. She's the one who said the doctor is being negative. So she cannot, you know, she can still be optimistic and like, okay, I don't, you know, believe that I'm optimistic. He gave me a professional opinion based on, you know, um, all of these journals and all these scientific facts. I just don't believe that. That's fine. But why did he have to, are you framing someone being negative? It's like any, any way you can try to take someone saying something that you don't want to hear is negative. But okay. So that's that part. That was one. The low mo drama was another thing that we saw where I don't think we got what well, both of them have said. Like you haven't seen the whole or the full tilt of the argument on the show. You didn't see how long the argument was at the rehearsal. But low mo said you also didn't see that the day before, like low mo missed a flight. And mind you, low mo's a mother of all these children. She missed a flight helping Don rehearse um for her part and then the next day after missing after all of that happens or maybe not the next day but after missing your flight and after going through all this stuff to help somebody rehearse then all of a sudden it's like oh i don't want to do this anymore you know it's just kind of like little mo said you're a quitter so yeah i agree with little mo yeah. there uh, she said she said now tell that to sunny and terry the real all Ava. right i remember that <laughs> <laughs> um so when it came time for the cast of Army Divisionally to reunite, Dawn was nowhere to be seen. Shortly after part one of the reunion aired, Dawn took a Twitter to explain her absence. And it says, Tweeties, most of you already heard that I did not do the reunion. Yes, LOL. <laughs> people, people act like I missed the second coming of Christ, LOL. I didn't do it because I don't do buffoonery. I get enough of that here on my page every day. Thanks for understanding. Deets coming soon, XO. However, according to her ex-husband, Dre Allen, she wasn't present at the taping because he made a few phone calls and had her removed. Uh, this part I did not know about because I actually was upset that Dawn was not at the reunion because she was at the center of a lot of drama and I feel like she, I feel like we were owed, or at least the ladies were owed an explanation as to why she chose to uh, go with Kelly because Kelly didn't like um, the director. Like, it was just really, really weird to me. That entire dynamic to me was so confusing. <laughs> well, I think Especially, she, she felt a loyalty to Kelly because Kelly came up with the idea. Or at least that's, that, that was the storyline. Kelly came right. up with the idea for the diva logs and then they brought in some director and then Kelly didn't like it. And so she felt like, right. oh, I'm going to side with Kelly because this was her idea. Of course, right. now Kelly has, has said that 
um, you know, the, the director they brought in, this was all a part of the network and, you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like, right. you know, the network and brought that director in and all of that. She wasn't showing up to, to film. Like, you know, so it's kind of like, she, she said, oh, I'm booked and busy, which I'm happy for her for being booked and busy, but it's like, but if you are going, doing like spot dates and singing here and there, you know, what, what are the ladies supposed to do in the, in the meantime? So it's like, yeah, um, you brought us onto the show and you haven't give a, given us any direction. You haven't given us any oversight. There's no one here to lead us with your vision. So it's like, well, we're here. The space is rented. The dates are booked. Well, we'll just, we're going to have to like, you know, do it, you know? So for her to like be gone and then come back and be like, oh, so, oh, so you guys did this without me. Well, what were we supposed to do, sis? Just not do it? You know, so I feel like that will, will always be confusing to me. Because I feel like both sides had valid reasons for doing what they did. But it was it was always confusing as to why. It's like, well, if you're gone. That was the first time she came up missing, right? Uh, No, so it was, it was one rehearsal that they did without her. And then um, they were trying to figure out, well, what do we do without Kelly? And then the next rehearsal was when they when they brought in uh, uh, a director and they had a good rehearsal. Then the next rehearsal, oh, when she came with Kelly the boots and then she talking about she, the razor blades and, and she, the bra- right. <laughs> and she gave him a hard and she gave him a hard time. Um, and she says that production told her to give him a hard time, um, which could be true because they be they be messy. Um, but then of course that didn't make her look good at all. Um, but overall, you know, I, I I was upset that I was disappointed that Don was not there at the reunion because I wanted to see her there. Yeah, I didn't like I didn't like kind of leaving Kelly to kind of fend for herself. Like if you're going to take the position to be with Kelly and decide with her, I think you should have been next to her to kind of, you know, because at least it's one thing I can understand not wanting to go to a reunion and be the only one fighting off the rest of the cast because we've seen Housewives and Basketball Wives, so we know how those reunions go. You know, when it's one against, you know, five. But it would have been her and Kelly together so they can kind of like, you know, support each other. So I think it was just kind of like a scary kind of punk thing not to show up, um, you know, in the mix. Uh, and plus, like, you don't get paid for that, girl. You need your checks, obviously. So... <laughs> You should show up to the to you know to the thing. But did she have the option to show up? Because this is interesting. I hadn't heard this angle. Oh, right. So yeah, let's get get into this. Okay, so this is new to me. So shout out to our producer for unearthing all of this, yes. or maybe not even unearthing, but just compiling it and uh, making it easy to read. So during the season, Don said that Dre as Andre Allen was physically abusive to her during their relationship. She also said that he had three children outside of their marriage. Dre, of course, denies all of it. In response to Don's claims, he reportedly sent out a message to multiple outlets informing everyone that he would be suing. Don, TV One, Phil Thornton, and Think Factory over the allegations. The statement reads... Now I want Champ to read it in like a voice, but I'll just go through and read it. Oh. <laughs> no, please read it, read it, read it in Dre's voice. Right. Uh, okay, um, okay, I'm reading his voice. Um, I I want to personally inform you and the media that I'm suing Think Factory, TV One, Don Robinson, and Phil Thornton, 
and anyone else that is, has anything to do with mentioning Dawn's ex-husband out of their mouth, having three kids outside of the marriage and beating her. They should have done their homework. Dawn was the only individual arrested for domestic Ooh. violence while we were married, and it would be impossible for my 27, 4, and 2-year-olds to have been born doing a five-year marriage that ended six years ago. Two of my clients brought up concerns after watching the show RB Divas, and my company nets over $3 million collectively from both damages. And they slandered a man with ample resources, so expect a good <laughs> And see. And, and see. <laughs> <laughs> I can't deal. <laughs> three million a year collectively. So now are you a fan of his too? Because he's making money somehow. Three million a year. Go ahead, um, Dre okay. Allen. What what comp- what company is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Dre posted a follow up statement to his Facebook page in which he revealed that due to action being taken on behalf of Comcast and TV One, he will not be suing. He says, while I was taking legal action against Comcast, TV One, and the producers of R&B Divas LA, I had time to view the entire season and had decided against it. While my case was certain, everything is not always about money. The conduct I witnessed on the show merely discredited the allegations against me. And towards the end of the season, after I brought up my concerns to the producers by email, certain actions took place and the offending party was removed from the show and the taping of the reunion show. I feel properly vindicated enough to rethink my filing of the lawsuit and move on with my life. I hope my ex-wife is able to move on and find happiness without the need to ever slander me again, and I wish her every bit of luck in doing so. I almost kind of believe it, just because does anyone remember like when she was looking for dresses to wear to the real, uh, to the re- reunion. And like, she showed pictures and I think at this shop and she was wearing like Alexander McQueen. So it looked like at one point she wanted to go. And then all of a sudden she wasn't there. I'm, Wendy Williams hosted and was like, where is Dawn? And the sad thing is it seemed like they made peace at the reunion. Lomo and Kelly, like they were crying and Kelly, uh, you know, it seems like people were making amends and they kind of, you know, were able to, you know, get some closure out of it. Whereas Don was still kind of tweeting, you know, live tweeting, but talking about she didn't want to be there because of all the messiness and all this stuff. So it just, I kind of can kind of see it because it's not like she had just, you know, didn't make any reference to it. Like she continued making references to it and was live tweeting it when it aired. So maybe she did want to go and couldn't because of illegal, uh, injuncture or something like that injunction i'm sorry i mean and it it is kind of weird that it's weird that she would go on a reality show and make these allegations you know knowing that that is slanderous if it's not true you can be you know i i i guess i'm like for me i'm like you've been in the business long enough to know at least what slander is so it's kind of weird that she would go in there if it's not true. But at the same time, you know, if he did say this and that and and that was not true and he was able, able to get her kicked off the show, 
<sighs> what what can you say? He said she was arrested. I was looking for mugshots. I couldn't find one. Okay. <laughs> I'm like domestic domestic violence. I mean, like, pull up the records. I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't think most women would just get on TV and be like, I was beat or I, we were I was in a domestic relationship if there was no truth to it. Now whether they were toxic to each other, you know, whether there was mutual, whatever, whatever. I mean, you know, I don't know. Um I'm just not going to take the stance of believing what this man says. (laughs) It's just, it's interesting because she had a conversation with Misha Lay. That's what I remember when her, uh, of her speaking about that. Okay, you remember that too? When I think they were sitting on the couch and Misha Lay, oh, now I want you to do Misha Lay's voice, but you know how Misha Lay sounds. And she was just talking about like how. I can't, (laughs) I've tried, I can't do it. (laughs) Did he give you gifts? After he beat you, did it? Right. Like, it was, she was like basically saying like, because I, I don't, she didn't say who it was. And I think we had always assumed it was Suge Knight. But then later, I think Lil Mo said it was actually um, Dre who beat um, Michelle. But I'm bringing up Michelle to say that it just seemed like everybody except Donnit and maybe Claudette. I don't know what Claudette did after R&B Divas. I don't know if she did the second season. But she, um... They're the only two who, cause like, uh, who didn't really turn it into anything like a little, uh, Lil Mo, of course. She just kept pushing forward. Shantae kept pushing forward with her career. Kelly Price, of course. Miss Shalane, I don't want to say she kind of turned R&B Divas into straight or surviving Compton. Her, um, biopic that was on Lifetime. Cause I think, you know, straight out of Compton had to happen first, but it's just like, all of these women, like, you know, there was just some kind of business savvy to them where, you know, their Instagrams have at least hundreds of thousands of followers and they're able to do, you know, work if they want to work. It just is sad that that kind of didn't happen for Don. It seemed like she didn't have anything set up. There was really no vision for how to utilize this as a vehicle or a stepping stone to something else. And this is will be my whole point about reality television, why I just think it's kind of tired. Um, if you are someone who is not like a Kardashian or in that vein, if you're actually a musician, I would just prefer you to make music or, you know, art in some sense or fashion. Or if not, it'd be some type of instructional thing or it's actually a documentary. Um, and just like hearing her talk about it afterwards and how like her trying to accuse Claudette of making up that story about her daughter being in the hospital and her just saying, well, Kelly didn't stand up for me at the reunion. Like, what? Like you're grown. Like, what was Kelly supposed to say? Like, if your car was smoking, your car was smoking. That's the main thing. I guess she didn't want people to know. And it's like, did we ever see inside of our house? Like, she didn't want people, like, the only thing I remember of her being inside of a house. We didn't. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, and with all the other reality shows, if you don't really want to see, if you don't want people to see how you're really living, like, why are you even on a reality show in the why first place? Why go on exactly. the show? Any final thoughts on R&B Divas LA? I think one thing I'll say, though, I think with In Vogue, like, if you think about the heyday of In Vogue, they had a, a whole, you know, team, an army of people making them, you know, get to that level of, of where they were. Mm-hmm. I think when you're used to that, it's it's a different hustle when you have that kind of backing versus when you're someone like Shantae Moore or Kelly Price who didn't really have that same level of label interest. You know what I'm saying? I think the hustle is just different for those women. I think people like, like Kelly Price has been hustling since she got into the industry mm-hmm. in terms of like networking and being a songwriter a and singing background with Mariah and doing all that. Mm-hmm. So the hustle is in her. Shantae Moore has talked about how when she came out, 
Like, you know, there were there was already a Whitney, a Mariah. Like, the label didn't really know what to do with her. She wanted to sing different kind of songs. So I think she kind of had a hustle in her. Lil Moe's is, is, you know, clearly a hustler. Um, <laughs> so I think someone coming from, like, Dawn's background, you know, coming from a girl group that was manufactured and that was just kind of positioned and, and had a big backing, I'm sure she probably, I'm sure it's, it's a... Uh, it's a it's a learning curve to figure out well how do I do this on my own like you know what I'm saying like I'm sure there's I'm sure there is uh, I'm sure it's 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 a different position to be in versus when you get into the business and you're hustling from day one and trying to make your way I'm sure you can navigate a little bit better than someone who kind of had everything given to them essentially I mean in Vogue came out the first single out the gate is huge. So they never really had to hustle. They never really had to figure it out. They never had to kind of make connections on their own. They always had representatives. They always had people speaking for them and, and working for them. So I think it's just, it's a different hustle. So I'm not shocked that Dawn didn't really do much after R&B Divas because I'm sure she doesn't really know how. <laughs> well, I would just like to say that I always love like how no matter... <laughs> No matter what, you always are so gentle with her. I love the way you coddle her. Um, <laughs> but come on now. But am I lying, though? Like, I, know, am, I get, am what, I lying, I get a lot of what you're saying, but like what a lot of people and not me, because like this was the point where I just, I don't think I had a Twitter account, but I could still read, because like social media now, if you don't have accounts, they don't really want you on their stuff. But back then, like you could kind of see what people were saying. You could see the tweets and replies without an account. And what a lot of people were saying when she would be like, oh, I don't want to sing it because in In Vogue, we had to rehearse. And, you know, Lil Mo's like, oh, no, I'll sing. What people were saying was like, you ain't been in In Vogue in how long? Like, you... But that's also, like, a different... Like, Lil Mo is a solo artist and she's a soul singer. Like, In Vogue is always prepared. They rehearse. They vocal practice. Like, it's just and different. Everything like, that was happening in between um, when she was solo and when she was with Dre, like none of that you're saying none of that informed her she was never able to pivot from being a but member what was she doing in between there though how often was she working in real life like think of she had lucy pearl that's a group she had her solo album which came and went the record label folded what was she really doing to like really nurture herself as a solo artist that's a good question i don't know if you guys remember but i did tell you like when she was in army divas uh one of my classmates was a dj he was working um with her on music to release uh, and to kind of coincide with her being an Army Divas Divas LA. And I heard one of the songs and it was a really good song, but you know, the, the the rumor goes that she chickened out and she uh, was afraid of how people would, would react to this sound or whatever. And so she just didn't because there were, they, there were scenes that that were being filmed with her with them at the studio, her working on music, etc. But none of that made it to air because she was, you know, the rumor is that she was afraid of how artists would, would react. But I'm like, well, sis, if you would have just put it out, you probably could have songs in a catalog to tour on your own with instead of singing the songs from yesteryear when you were in a group. But, uh, Absolutely. but you know, I'm not saying she has no fault in it, but I'm saying I can just understand when you come from a group and no one from the group has really done, you know, had a significant impact outside of the group. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's just it's 
it's it's probably harder. And being that I think out of all four of them, Dawn was probably the one that people kind of thought was going to do something. And I'm sure there's expectations and fear behind that. So, I mean, I have a little bit of empathy, but at the end of the day, you do have to push through. You have to push through those fears and you have to, you know, do what you got to do. Okay, so this to me is like a happy ending. Um, the next uh, reality show that we're going to discuss, which was BET's Ladies Night 2019. So there's a trailer on YouTube. I'm sure all of you guys can check it out if you want to watch it. Um, so there were media outlets running stories that in Vogue, Salt and Peppa, and SWV were cast in a new docuseries for BET titled Ladies Night. The original synopsis for the 2019 series um, read as follows. The 10-episode docuseries follows the personal and professional drama of the iconic 1990s girl groups in Vogue, Salt and Peppa, Spinderella, and SWV as they embark on a national tour with the run of shows across the U.S. These iconic artists must create, choreograph, and execute a night featuring all of their famous hits. With major money on the line, the OGs will need to put their pride to the side in order to launch something truly memorable. Produced by Entertainment One's Tara Long, Mark Herwick, and Madison Merritt serve as executive producers. However, Cindy said that the news stories were premature. Appearing on LA radio station KJLH, shout out to KJLH, Stevie Wonder, on May 3rd, 2018, and Vogue put those rumors to rest. We had an initial meeting with BET about the possibility to be a part of the Ladies Night reality show, said Heron, adding that news stories were premature about them joining the series. We hadn't signed any contracts, so no, we are not going to be a part of that. So did you watch the series with... SWV saw and Peppa and Spinderella. Is that the one where Spinderella left the group or something? She wasn't. I don't think she. It was the one where I think that was when like they were having issues and um, Spinderella was upset. I watched it and I think Spin was upset because she wasn't getting. I think they were saying that the promoter only wanted to pay for Salt and Peppa and it was like, girl, we're not putting no money out of our pockets for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I will say that. I don't, I mean, I like Spinderella, her, her verse on what a man is one of my favorites and I, and I, uh, I appreciate her, but I just feel like at the end of the day, when you look at it, although she is associated with the salt and pepper brand, she is not salt and pepper. She is the DJ and salt and pepper can tour without her if they wanted to. So, and I know that part of her storyline on the, on the, uh, series was about her, like, well, who are you, like, outside of Salt and Pepper, like, that kind of thing. So I, I, I like the fact that she actually left the group, you know, entirely, and now she's doing her own thing, whatever that may be. Um, but I'm, but it's like, girl, yeah, you are, you're not Salt and Pepper, you are Spinderella, that is who you are. Um, I didn't watch the show. I didn't either. I don't care about this. I, I watched. I watched SWV's show on TV One. That was some good TV. Yeah, mm. I wasn't interested in this show if Invo wasn't involved. Now, I will say this: um, it doesn't necessarily say why Invo did not agree to do it. Um, all these, all of these um, um, quotes uh, make uh, speculate that they didn't sign because the news was released too early. Which I think is really stupid because one, if you look at if you look at casting news on like Variety, Deadline, or any of these uh, trades uh, or whatever trade reports or whatever, a lot of times you see 
uh, agents may leak stuff to the press just to build a buzz about it. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's like, you'll see that, oh, uh, I heard that Viola Davis is in a new Marvel movie, you know, and they'll, and they'll report it. And then maybe a week or two later, they'll finally confirm it. Or maybe, you know, Marvel has like a big event in the summer that they're going to actually confirm it at that big event. But I just feel like if it's premature, who cares? It's just to build buzz. But if that was a catalyst for not signing on, I think that was a horrible decision, you know, because it's like, go on tour, do a docuseries, get a check. Uh, but yeah, to, to be, a, to, to feel a type of way because uh, uh, the news was leaked. Cause sometimes it's like, Things just leak. Emails, um, text messages, they leak and people are like, oh shit, I heard uh, a new uh, reality show is coming out. You know, we don't have this confirmed yet, but it, but we're going to print it out to build buzz. That's a great idea. Before this, there was already, I married a baller. Um, Taj was on Survivor. They did the We Show. Salt and Pepper. How was on Survivor? You remember when Taj was Wait, on Survivor? What? Like I didn't. I mean, I didn't. I didn't watch it, but I just was like, I remember like flipping through the channels, and I was like, "That's Taj <laughs> on Survivor." That's that's hilarious, um, but not in that. Okay, Salt and Pepper. There, they had the VH1 reality show. Pepper was on Surreal Life. Um, it's just like I'm just saying, like reality shows are and I get JP's point I get Champ's point I get it I get what I'm trying to say and maybe it's just me being a traditionalist just wanting musicians to make music and I guess this is the new you know medium but it just seems like the music is just so secondary the artist is just so secondary and that kind of saddens me but it's like it's just like a vacuum and it's just never going to be anything really sustaining because it's not about the music. And so it's just going to be one reality show, the next reality show. I truly don't feel like they missed out on anything. It's just, um, they did. I, I don't see how that, that particular reality show helped their career with like this one tour. And I just remember, you know, like reading some message boards here and there. And I think there was like beef between S, um, salt and pepper and SWV. And people were saying, we, you know, fighting over who was like the most important act and if Invoke had been in the mix they would have been like that too like who should get this part who should open who should headline so it's just drama and of course people feed on the people love drama um people love negativity and I just feel like that like reality tv is just one way to kind of just like keep people so emotionally invested on like that low vibrational type of stuff that's why I don't really care for like people get so caught up in housewives and married to medicine and whatever we could say well, we we love that drama, but I but so one Salt and Pepper their entire their entire brand is drama because Salt and Pepper they always have issues, and then Salt and Pepper have issues with Cinderella. So I low-key feel like that would have been the drama. I feel like for Invogue, their storyline could have been showing who Invogue is as its new lineup. You know how are you how how is Rona transitioning? You know being, you know, uh, a replacement, you know, that kind of thing. That would have been cool to see. And it would also have been good to to allow audiences to get used to Rona. Because one thing I will say is we see them um, performing, touring, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They do Instagram Live sometimes and Rona is the sweetest, the sweetest pie. But I feel like a reality show would have given mainstream audiences 
an opportunity to digest her existence. But how did the show even do? That's my own personal. I agree. That's my own personal opinion. But I feel you know because it's kind of one. You're getting to know her. You get you're seeing her humanity. You're seeing her personality. You're seeing you know you could show them in rehearsal, seeing like her talking to the girls. Yeah, because people don't know her. Like the general audience does not know her. Yeah, at all. So that would have been a cool thing. And like I'm saying, uh, no reality show lasts. Like as far as that goes, but I feel like it is just a a catapult. You have to you you have to be uh, business minded when doing reality TV. It's kind of okay. What is my goal in doing reality TV? Because it doesn't last. Like my friend is on a, a reality show right now called F Boy Island um, on HBO Max. You know, and so like, but the show. It, oh, I've seen that F Boy Island. F, F, F Boy Island, yeah, he's on season two. Pretty much Fuck Boy Island. Okay, yeah, it, you know you have to break it down yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's on that show, and so one, the shows they they put three episodes up a week, so it's only a month. So it's like, okay, you need to maximize this attention now, and how is it going to translate when it's died down? Because there's so many. Reality shows that it, that premiere on all these streaming networks, all these all these TV channels. So, so I just feel like with a reality show, you have to go, okay, what is our purpose on here, and how are we going to use this to our advantage? You know, it's not just the reality show itself, but er- everybody isn't isn't business minded in that way, and a lot of people don't do reality TV show because they're afraid of how they're going to be portrayed. And it's like, who cares about the portrayal, baby? Take advantage of the opportunity. Because regardless of how you're portrayed, regardless of the Twitter, of the, of the social media reactions, that all that all fades away. Because we're talking about we're talking about spaghetti today. We're gonna be talking about ice cream tomorrow, and then next week we're gonna be talking about tacos. So it's like you you know what I mean? Like like social media is one big text, is one big group chat that is it's so bipolar. The topics are always changing. So yeah, people are gonna talk about you. It's gonna be people who control you. But who cares, girl? Take it with a grain of salt and use it to your advantage. Use it to your advantage, baby. And that's all I'm going to say. Let's get to our submitted letters. The first email is from James. Hey, y'all. James here addressing the letter by DT. As an initial... Don fan myself. She was my favorite. I understand that he was disappointed by Don and Max leaving. However, what I don't understand is how people cannot get over it after, what, 20 years? Thank you. You are denying yourself and Evie the freedom to move on and enjoy what's to come. I believe everyone shares the blame in this except for Rona, who has only ever done all she could to keep the group going. Uh, Rona not being called a full member is kind of rude and annoying of Terry and Cindy. She's earned that by now. Anyway, always enjoy listening. Great job, you guys. Thank you, James. Thank you, James. DT, I told you, you your, your letter was spicy. You even got people. Uh, it, DT was a, a, a special guest host on our previous episode. So the fact that his letter is still uh, causing a stir two episodes later is hilarious to me. Um, but I agree with you, James. I've always had this same opinion that um, it's been 20 years. They've tried it and it's failed. They tried it again and it's failed. They just can't get on the same page for whatever reason. However, Rona is here and she is willing to do the work. She's willing to be a team player and, and in Vogue manages 
like which I feel like is my tagline. Invoke always manages to find a way to be a part of the conversation, uh, regardless of regardless of our own personal opinions about how it's done. They're still staying booked. They're staying booked. Um, and I feel and, and Ro- looking good. And Rona is a part of yeah. Rona is a part of that equation. And I feel like this there's it's a new era of 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 Invoke. This EV three it consists of Cindy Terry and Terry and Rona. And if you want um, to, to to be nostalgic over the original four, go to YouTube. Invo Crayons has everything you need, baby. But as far as what's happening now, <laughs> just just like uh, in the words of Nene Leaks, don't tell me what's then. Tell me what's now. Um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 Rona's here to stay. She's here to stay. She's here. Yeah, I agree with you, champ. Again, I happy we're on the same page. I know, like, we turned the page and we might kind of get separated a little bit, but we're back together like Celia and Nettie, you know, <laughs> playing patty cakes or whatever that hand game they was playing. So we're back together. We're reunited. Um, yes, like, I get, I get it. Like, that period... Um, from 1990 to 1990 if you want to say 1997 1996 whenever it ends for you that's totally fine i get that it's just the it's kind of to me low vibration though to kind of just like harp on the past if it's moved on like i and i'll be honest i remember when rona was kind of pushed out i was very upset for like a week and then i just let it go so you know all all the stuff that was happening um with the with the originals before it imploded very badly and everybody got their karma um i you know i wasn't participating in that i didn't watch it because i didn't want to see it without rona i went on and you know did other stuff like i'm not going to engage in something that doesn't serve me if i don't like something why would i be commenting on it like i'm not the person who goes around on youtube giving people thumbs down if i don't i'm getting off your video i only give thumbs up i only really consume some things that make me happy and beneficial to me so like i like a series for a certain point then it gets to a season where i don't like it I'm not going to watch it. I'll give constructive criticism, but it's not going to be like, well, this person, that person, like, it's just to me pointless. So yeah, I think moving on is a very, you know, I think it might be harder for like, um, generation X and above, you know, that's why we're getting all these reboots and rehashes. Everything has to kind of be the same, but you know, uh, um, the millennials and generations, they were a little bit more mutable and ready to kind of move on and accept things. And so I just wish more people would just be able to kind of move on. And that's fine. If it's the original four is all that matters to you. That's fine. But just like leave the girls alone, particularly Rona, like leave her alone. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I guess I, I like, I love nostalgia too. Like the reason why we're all on this podcast is because of nostalgia. Because we love Invoke, you know. Like so, I understand the nostalgia of it all. Um, but I, I feel like the new era of Invoke it it has a lot to be admired too. You know, like the Rocket video is gorgeous. So it's like you haven't seen that. You haven't appreciated the looks that was given. You know that that that. You know the stylist gave uh, rest his soul. You know what I mean. But like it, you, and, and and the and the, the the song itself is mid. You know it's not bad. It's not like spectacular, but it's it's a good song. You know. But I'm like that video was great. You know. Um, or even like um, them doing um, you know uh, doing Good Morning America in those white outfits. They look gorgeous. You know, like there's a lot of stuff that they've done as a threesome, the current lineup that I feel like should be applauded and should be celebrated. But the fact that you are um, so focused on the past 
you you don't have any room to appreciate what's happening now. I think it sucks because there's a lot that they there's a lot there's a lot that this current era has to offer you, um, which I feel like is sad. Yeah, those life. days are never coming back. You can always consume them and enjoy them, but they're not coming back. Well, I'll say as a mu- I'll say as a millennial, uh, I don't care if it's 20 years, 30 years, or 40 years, it ain't going to hit like the original. It just it is. Won't. It just it is won't. what it is. I think people have a it right won't. to love a group based on what they, how they fell in love with them. You fell in love with what you fell in love with. And if the current lineup hasn't done anything to move you in a way to top that, that's okay. I mean, it, it just, yeah. it, that's what it is. That's what it um, is. I think, I think the original four had something special that no other group has been able to duplicate. Um, it hasn't been replicated. It's, there's nothing else out there like it. Um, I've never seen anything else out there like it, and uh, I'm going to hold on to that. It's no disrespect to Rona. She's cute. She's fun. Great voice. Beautiful gowns. Yeah. Beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. Beautiful, Beautiful gowns. gowns. <laughs> but if it ain't Cindy, Dawn, Terry, and Maxine, it just ain't it. It just ain't it. For and that's you know, fine. For, but what we're saying, you don't have to slight somebody. That was our point, and that's the point I think of the letter as well. Yeah. But I don't think I slight. I don't slight do. Rona. I I compliment her. He does. He does. I I, I have but, said numerous but, times, Rona is talented. I I think she's a great singer. She's lovely. I see her Facebook lives. I think she's sweet. She has a great point of view as a person, as a mentor, her coach role, all that stuff. Like, I mean, it's cute. Okay. I get it. I I don't knock it. I remember her on Jamie Foxx show. Like, I have no beef with Rona. It's just not. The, it's just, it's just not it just does not move me in the same way. It. That's all. I like, not, not all girl groups can continue can just insert to members. dominate without the original equipment. Like, Desi's Child did it, you know, for the Desi's Child were able to do it with Michelle. Little Mix was able to do it when Homegirl left, and they're still successful. You know, um, the Spice Girls are able to do it. I think um, there are some groups but, where the members don't matter. Like, the Pussycat Dolls, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, yes. you know, Little Mix, it doesn't matter. Like, there are certain groups where... It doesn't matter because you're selling an image, you're selling an idea, a concept. Yeah. But for me, in Vogue is for those four women with those distinct voices that create that distinct sound and look and image. That's just it for me. Okay. Like it's, we're not, you know, I don't think anybody's arguing that. I think that's the whole point where we were saying, like, if that's, that's fine. But then why do people have to try to come in and like, you know, be yes. slick with like the new lineup? Like if it's not for you, leave it alone. What's the song? Get it together or leave it alone. People go to Instagram, for example, and and the girls will post a series of photos, you know, a video, whatever, and or even like a publication will post something about Invoke, and then you have all these people talking about where's where's uh, Donna <laughs> Maxine at? I, well, see, I, I never do that. It's like, I never do it's, that. It's, it's, uh, right, but what I'm but there there, there are people that do. And so for me, I'm kind of like, bitch, where the fuck have you been for 15 years? Oh, you, what, you, so it's like, so, so your outrage, your outrage makes no sense because you haven't been worried about in vogue for the past exactly. 10 years. Exactly. If you years. don't know what's going on. Because if you were, you would know that Don Maxine, Don Maxine left in 2003, baby. They're gone. So you being upset with not having the original lineup is like, it, it, it doesn't make any sense because you, have been gone this long. So I'm so I'm just talking about the people 
that always feel the need to slight. Right yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's rude. I do think yeah. that's me. I think that's mean to like say mean things to her. Like I've never said anything yeah. mean in Rona's inbox comments or anything of that nature. Now, yeah. if I do see like a classic in Vogue video, I'm gonna be like, don't nobody do it like the original. <laughs> But I'm not going to, like, go into, like, you know, whatever they're currently doing is saying, like, something shady to Rona. Because, I mean, that is... But also, I also want to say this, though. Even though it doesn't hit for me the same, I can still appreciate what the trio is doing. Like, there are a lot of songs on Soul Flower I liked. I liked a couple of songs on Electric Cafe. Um, So, I mean, I can appreciate what it's doing. It just don't hit the same for me. That's all. And that's fine. Yeah, and that's right. And, And I... Yeah. And I, I will say, because it, it's even like, you know, the kind of uh, hate that Michelle Williams gets, even though she's been in uh, Death's Child for literally 20 years. <laughs> but she's still, there are people who still talk about her. And I'm like, she got albums. She's been on Broadway. So we are going to transition into our Rare track segment. And the song that we are highlighting today is What Did I Do To You? The J.E. Remix by Terry Evans. It was released in What did I do to you to make it on? It was released in 1996 produced by Tommy and Denny and remixed by James Gordon. What do you guys think of this remix? I don't care about this remix, but I love the video for this song. I just have to say this. <laughs> I love this remix. I think it shows the difference between a demo and production. To me, the original sounded like a demo, and this actually sound produced. I think that the man on the original song, his voice was way too heavy. One, it's a totally different recording. It's just not a mix because the vocals are different. this one better i like the background better because it's just a woman and i forget the woman's name but her voice compliments terry's a lot so it's not like this man's voice is just kind of like taking you out of the song um the rap is still kind of whack to me but it's not as whack as the original i like that for god's sakes is not in there because like god's sakes like why like how did that end up in a song in 1995 and not a country tune from the 1940s like um it, if you guys remember um in vogue on don't forget the music or don't forget the lyrics where terry's like um I, patty labelle wouldn't say tidied remember when they're trying to figure out a new attitude and, patty La, and uh terry was like patty labelle has soul she wouldn't say tidied it's like well you have so why are you saying god's sakes in 
for the best, stay true to self No need to proceed with my devilish deeds, I respect your wealth That ego, I let it go for the heart I couldn't win The main fact to Wayne Wayne is that you remain my friend I got your back and that's real like Jack had Jill Your morale is rational, use a true southern gang I like this remix too uh, simply for, I like the sultriness of Terry's voice. I I think the track itself is real funky. It has that 90s sound, which I like. It reminds me of like uh, Monica, you know, something like Kenny Braxton would have like what I've sang over, like that kind of thing. Uh, I just hate the rap. It was like, I'm like, I'm like, you don't know tempo? You are beat, sir. Like, it was just horrible. And shout out, and shout out to the, to the guy who remixed it. Because he's from Vallejo, I saw the Vallejo, California, which is my hometown. So I was like, they better work with Vallejo artists. So shout out to James. So yeah, I like I like the track. It's a it's a it's a it's one of those uh let me mop my floor and wipe down the oven type of songs on a Saturday morning. That's what that's that's the that's what it gives to me. But now, you guys, um, it's been a long, 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 long episode. And so we are wrapping up. We thank you so much for sticking around to the end. Let's just give some love to the podcast. Um, stream part of us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, YouTube, and most other podcasting apps. For more Invogue related content, find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Invogue Craze. Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. Comments, ideas for the show, questions, write them down and send them to us in an email to partofusevf at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate and review our podcast. Thank you to Champ. Thank you to JP, my adversary. Oh, JP, I love you so much because I, you know, I, I know probably I'm always yelling at you on the, uh, the, the, the podcast, but it's only because I love you. And, um, I, and we miss you, and Josh. We miss you, Josh. We miss you. Please come, like, we, like, we, the Don Cornelius, the air brother, like, that voice is just the glue. So come, like, come, come, come on back. And that's it, right? That's the end of our show. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Thank you all for listening. See you next time. This episode of Part of Us at Invoke Fancast was researched, written, produced, and edited by Matthew at Culture Inject Productions. The intro and outro music was produced by Wolves and Vincent Tone. We're more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on Invoke and chat with other fans by visiting Invoke Craze on Facebook. You can also follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Invoke Craze and Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. Part of Us and Invoke Fancast is not endorsed by Invoke, E1 Music, or Invoke Records and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Invoke and its names, images, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of the respective copyright holders. Um, even with the plus one. Um, Why you gotta do that? I caught it, it too, was, champ. I caught it too. It was cute. I was just like, you know, if I if that's what it takes to get the four together, we gotta have a plus one, oh, then oh you God, bring the I plus can. one. What did Tamar Braxton's... <laughs> I'll never forget the episode of the Braxton's where Tamar was like, if I got to have a plus one to get my daddy at the wedding, then that's what it takes. I'll invite his wife who's ah! the side piece. And so, you know, if it takes a plus one to get the four together, then I'm fine uh. with it. 
I thought, you know, it was cute. You know, she don't have no leads to sing because all the hits, you know, are just with the originals. But I mean, it's it's fun to have someone extra in the background doing the two-step. It was cute. I was here for it. But I don't think I slight. I don't you slight do. Rona. I, I compliment That's her you. talent. Yes, he does. So shout out to Rona. You know, she's not living with her mom or living in a car or anything like that. But I think we're probably going to get into that when we um, go into this episode. Oh so shout out to her. Buy shout, her out to, shout out to Rona living in Atlanta where the property is Josh, mm, it's Josh, do you see Josh, do you see what happens when you don't arrive? You see all the chaos and the ensuing and it's just the first 15 minutes. Do you see this? <laughs> shout out to your girl. Ooh. Get that touring money. On songs that you didn't sing. Shout out to her for never losing the property she owned in Los Angeles until she was really ready to sell it. Okay. And able to let's buy. Get <laughs> let, let's get into this discussion. Okay. Take it away, Matan. Take it away. Okay, so as you can see, reality <laughs> catches up to you fast. This.